1: to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, it wasn't pretty, but when you lost seven of nine games coming in to face the Oklahoma City Thunder, you just got to get the W by any means necessary. And the Bulls get it done 111-110 in a game that really should not have been that close. The Bulls led by 28 points midway through the third quarter before an absolute collapse from that point on the bulls didn't technically win this game on a half court shot by io DeSumo, but it sure seems like they did jason because he hit one at the end of the third quarter without that three where would the bulls be they may not end up in the winner's circle so nice win for the bulls 111 110 uh wasn't pretty there were some positive signs zach levine back javante green back A lot of places we can go when discussing this one, Jace, but uh, what are your initial impressions of an ugly but necessary Bulls victory?
2: I mean, especially necessary coming off the absolute disaster the night before in Orlando, and they lose by 19 to the worst team in the league. That was Orlando's ninth win of the season. Bulls just get absolutely trounced in that game. Uh, DeMar DeRozan had like 41 points. did not matter because everyone else sucked, including Nicole Vucevic, who Probably, hopefully, hit rock bottom in that Magic game against his former team. Four of 19 shooting, five turnovers, just absolutely awful performance. Vooch did bounce back really nicely against the Thunder, had one of his better games of the year. I think it was like 26 15, like four or five assists, three uh, blocks. He had, like I think he had four or five three pointers. Really solid game for him. As you mentioned, this was Zach Levine's first game back, and it, it went pretty well for three quarters, and then he was just absolutely awful in that fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, like through the first basically two and a half quarters, the Bulls looked really good. They looked much more like themselves. Uh, DeMar was out in this game. They gave him a rest day. I totally get why uh, you want – I know the Bulls needed a win, but – you want to get tomorrow some rest in games like this over the rest of the season. Uh, but they came out really strong. Io was, I would assume it was awesome in the first quarter. Zach looked pretty good in his return. I mentioned Vuj play, played well. I think they were up 10 at half. Third quarter, they just start blowing them away. 28 points. As you said, looked like they're going to cruise to victory. Then they missed like five or six wide open threes in a row. Thunder started getting a little momentum. Even then, like, it looked like the bulls were going to win easily because that Vooch had a few really good stretches in that second half. And there was a stretch in the fourth where he hit like two or three straight baskets. There was another and one bulls go up seven. I think it was like 17. They were up with like five or six minutes left. And You are like all right, they, they, they pushed the thunder back that they're going to cruise the victory here. And then like the last, whatever, five minutes felt like the last couple of years of bulls teams. And in fact, the bulls have lost 20 plus point leads in Oklahoma city, Multiple times in the last few seasons. So this was just like deja vu happening again with just total meltdowns. And again, it kind of felt like the rosters of the last couple of seasons without DeMar, without Lonzo, and without Caruso. You did have Vooch here, but you had Zach and Kobe running around with their heads cut off with the ball, uh, just completely falling apart against ball pressure. And I will say, and I, I said this during the game, as it was happening during their collapse, and then Billy Donovan said it after the game. I was happy they did that. The Thunder were mugging Zach and Kobe. Like they, their decision-making was bad down the stretch, but like Lou Dort, Shea, I mean, they were just, I mean, hand-checking, completely getting away with tons of, just contact on those guys and meanwhile like Iowa was kept getting called for touch fouls the bulls had over like 20 fouls called against them the thunder i think had like 12 or th- i think it maybe got to like 14 15 by the end of the night on some of the late intentional fouls but, like i mean they were, the refs were letting the thunder get away with murder which i think did kind of play into some of that collapse there but this was kind of what we've seen in the past few years and one of the reasons why showing how important demar drosen is and i know you tweeted this i tweeted it as well just like When those guys get sped up, and that is one issue that Zach has had, is he gets sped up, he starts taking goofy-ass shots, his handle gets loose. Same with Kobe. We saw him really struggle against that ball pressure. Having DeMar DeRozan there, who rarely turns the ball over, who can get to his spots and still get up good shots instead of just chucking three-pointers. Really missed that in those last five minutes of this game last night. Luckily, they were still still able to plot the win. Shea missed the game-tying three-pointer. Javante... Or the bolt and the bulls were able to get the rebound, hit that final free throw to win, and end up winning. Mike Maccallum three pointer probably ruined some people's nights. Uh, who for those who those degenerates who uh, partake in gambling? But yeah, I mean this was just a game that nice to see Bouch play well. He needs to string these games together. Nice to see Zach back in general, even if he had a disastrous fourth. Javante saw his energy, had another sick dunk, one of the best dunkers on the team, and then just the importance of Demar Derozan. Uh in fourth quarter in crunch time. Then I guess Iowa had an awesome game. Another after a couple quiet games. See, I think he had a career at 24, like eight assists. He did foul out, as I mentioned, but great to see him play well again after a few quiet games. So there actually was like a lot to take from this game against the shitty Thunder team. Who who, to be fair, the Thunder are bad, but they have uh they mentioned on the broadcast that I think they have like the most like big comeback wins this season. So the young scrappy team that never gives up. We've seen it the last couple of years. We saw it last night the Bulls almost blew it but they didn't and thank God because I would have been and Bulls fans would have been in full panic mode if they would have blown that game after just the way that that they have lost all these games recently to lose a back-to-back to the magic and the thunder uh would have been just brutal awful disastrous but they were able to get this win so that was nice
1: yeah, it wasn't pretty, man. Certainly no style points, but coming off a game as ugly as that defeat against the Magic when Mo and Franz Wagner were just flexing all <laughs> over the Bulls, pissing off DeRozan. seeming like they were just cutting through the defense, Vooch specifically, whenever they wanted to. Yeah, Bulls just had to get a dub there. And... I was worried because DeMar DeRozan wasn't on the floor and you hinted at the fact that this looked very similar to the last couple of seasons of Bulls basketball, be it under Boylan or last year under Donovan, when the Bulls were going 100% with Kobe White as their point guard, Uh, the both Levine and Kobe just sort of tense up, I think, in pressure moments. Both of them shot one for six in the fourth quarter yesterday. Between the two of them, they only had one turnover, but there were several times where it looked like the Thunder were going to rip them uh, on traps. Like you said, they were being extremely physical with their hand checks. Uh, And this is why the Bulls brought DeRozan in, right? This is why they spent $28 million a year on him when everyone said that that was way too much money, that there was no other spot in the market where DeRozan could get that type of contract. Well, DeRozan's proved he's well underpaid at this point several times over because he's like not even, I think he's like the 47th highest paid player in the league or something. So clearly DeRozan's production has been remarkable all year, but this is the one specific way crunch time ball handling where DeRozan really shines. He never turns the ball over throughout his entire career, Jason. He's never had a turnover percentage of higher than 12%. Shout out to our boy, Brian J draft for tweeting that yesterday uh DeMar just takes very good care of the basketball it's because he has a tight handle it's because he doesn't let defenders speed him up and it seems like sometimes Zach has a little bit of the mamba mentality working against him in big moments where he just wants greatness so badly that sometimes he lets the defense sort of dictate the terms of late game possessions to him uh Kobe just couldn't hit a shot in the fourth quarter
2: but uh you know before this, I mean, we'll talk Kobe, about Kobe. Kobe did hit one big shot, which he badly, oh, badly needed because he's been shooting really poorly. I think he's two of 20, his last like 23 or 24 from three over the last few games. He did hit the one. He missed another a dagger after that. But the one he did hit was huge because like, things were on the verge of falling apart. They almost fell apart. He finally hit the one. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the point about Zach is definitely true. Because when when it's him and DeRozan out there, they, they play off each other really well the panic isn't quite as much there because he's often just playing off the ball and it's not him dribbling up, dealing with that pressure and then getting forced into those bad decisions. I mean, we saw him jacking up some awful shot. I mean, this was definitely like, it felt like Zach of a few seasons ago, not as much last. He was a little better at this last year. Obviously, sometimes he was kind of forced into doing it anyways, but like Zach of a few seasons ago where he was just, just chucking up awful stuff and just really struggling with that ball pressure. Uh, First game back, a little rust, Understandable there, but so just but even then, like physically, he looked fine. Uh, told like his that didn't seem to be a problem. It was just the decision making, which has been a bugaboo of his in the past, cropped up again. And again, as you said, it's why they got DeRozan having that other guy who could handle the ball, let Zach do more off ball stuff, play off each other in those crunch time moments, just so much more effective than Zach. Pounding the ball and throwing up bad shots, turning it over. There was one possession where he tossed a grenade to Vooch and Vooch threw up an off balance three pointer at the end of the clock that had no chance. Like the offense was just in straight, straight hell at the end there. Um, So yeah, again, yeah. Just bottom line is just how important DeRozan is, and even Io. Io fouled out with I think four minutes to go. He did. He did foul out on a play himself where he sped up and like unnecessarily charged towards the basket and picked up his sixth foul on a charge. But even like Io's. I feel like I'm more comfortable him handling the ball these days than like Kobe at at this point, like Kobe uh, we know Kobe is better just as the score as the off ball score and getting up threes uh, when he has to make those point guard decisions against pressure. It's just not as good. So, uh, Yeah, we saw the lack of DeMar. Well, even the lack of Ayod on the stretch hurt the Bulls, but still got the win, so thank God.
1: Yeah, I do want to talk about Kobe because, you know, he went 13 games in a row in double figures before that Bucks game where he was just terrible, shoots over 9 from 3, uh, he bounces back a little bit against the Magic, scores 22, but still one of seven from three. Then against the Thunder, really rough shooting night for Kobe again, three of 14 from the field, one of seven from three. Kobe was veering towards 40% on the season from behind the arc uh, before that three game stretch. And now he's back down to 35, which is actually the lowest three point percentage. <laughs> Of his career. It was the highest three days ago. But yeah. That sort of shows when Kobe's only played 28 games, missed so much time at the beginning of the season, uh, the sample is still pretty small. And uh, I was really encouraged with how Kobe was playing coming into that Bucks game. In the Bucks right. game, it just seemed like his confidence was so shaken. Like, the dude was one for nine, but he probably could have gotten up like 15 or 16 threes in that game, and he was just record-scratching. He didn't want to take them because he he missed one or two early, and I feel like it just kind of got in his head. And then uh, anyone who's ever played, pickup even, can relate to this. Like, when you miss one or two shots early, you sort of feel bad for shooting. But specifically against Milwaukee, both I.O. and Kobe – needed to just jack jack shots a little bit because the Bulls offense desperately needed it without Levine or Lonzo in the game. Uh, in terms of Levine, you know, not the most efficient night, but it does speak to Levine's talent that he goes for 23 points and seven assists, and it's like sort of a down game for him, especially after missing so much time. And he
2: played was- well for the first three quarters. It was just that fourth quarter. It was reverting to just like all of his bad habits of prior years. For sure. He ripped a really tight step back. I think maybe
1: in the first quarter they just look like vintage Levine. And then by the end of the game, you know, he's struggling against ball pressure. He got back cut really bad by Josh Giddy on a play that cut it to a one possession game with like 15 seconds left. I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he was maybe a little gassed as well, playing big minutes coming off the injury, just like, again, that doesn't excuse them the decision-making, but he was coming up like way short on all like the jumpers he was throwing up. So probably, working getting his legs back which i guess makes those those decisions to jack those shots even worse but he wasn't even close on those some of those shots because i think i would guess some tired legs but yeah that oh. backup was bad that was uh just totally lost that's when i tweeted that he was having an atrocious game he was having an atrocious fourth he had a fine game the first three quarters he was just really bad in the fourth on kind of i mean they were they were all falling apart in the fourth <laughs>
1: And then Io in general, just awesome. Without DeRozan, Io was taking a lot of the actions that the Bulls run for DeRozan. Yep. For DeRozan and he was even scoring from similar parts of the floor. Io had several shots from mid-range. That, uh, that
2: was his game at Illinois. He was a yeah. mid-range killer, especially in crunch time. That's what he would do. He would take shots from the elbow, free throw line, and he would fucking bury mid-range shots in crunch time in Illinois. That was his thing. So I'm I'm glad that doing that a bit more at the end of the I want to see him take more shots. Because we were just talking <laughs> coming... Uh, before this spot, like his efficiency this year on low volume still is really insane. He's like at 54.5% from the field, 45% from three. That's only on two shots from three per game. I think he's taking like five or six shots from the field. It's got that volume up. Obviously the efficiency will come down once he starts shooting more, but like, I mean, even like the last couple games were rough before last night, but like the three before that, like he's been, he was making like 70% last night. He made like his first nine or 10 shots, like, He's yeah. been really efficient in a lot of these games. So, like stay aggressive, man. Like, I don't want no record scratching. Get those catch and shoot threes up when you're open. Get the get those mid-range shots up if you have the opportunities. They're like, I want Io shooting more with Lonzo out, with with Caruso out. Like Io's gonna be getting these big opportunities, especially. I feel once DeRozan does come back and play, obviously, it was a rest game. I'm assuming it's gonna be Io starting and Kobe coming off the bench, which is what happened. Last night, I think Billy probably likes Kobe as that bench gunner, and Io brings more defense to the table. Again, I mentioned that I feel like I feel a bit him play, a bit more comfortable as the point guard, uh, even though DeMar and Zach do a lot of ball handling themselves. Like I, I think I feel like I'd rather have Io start and then Kobe in that bench role. So if he's going to start, he's got to be aggressive, take those opportunities when he can. And he said it was great that he was doing that yesterday, especially at the start of the game.
1: Yeah. Co- or IO has had so many strong performances recently, nine to 10 from the field shooting against Boston. That's when he had 21 points. Uh, he went seven of eight from the field in the win over the Cavs. He had 18 points in that game, 10 of 14 last night for 24 points. I would have guessed IO in January was putting up around 15 points a game but he's only putting up 10 points a game. Now he's been very efficient in those shots, but it just sort of speaks to the fact that he's still a relatively low usage player. He also had a game this month against the, uh, Warriors, which was just a total shit show from literally the opening minute of that game. He played 32 minutes and didn't even score.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, We all love Io. Io's contributions have been one of the reasons this team has really exceeded expectations. You can point to Io, you can point to DeRozan, exceeding expectations. And even someone like Javante Green, who's really been found money. And I think that you you saw how much the Bulls miss him when he was out, even though he's not a big time scorer. He's never going to put up per game numbers that wow anyone. His energy, his length, his activity, pays very real dividends on the court for the bulls when you have at least io and javante on the floor i feel like the defense has enough to hang in and compete with uh with some of these legit teams and the thunder aren't one of those teams but i gotta take for you here jace i feel like the thunder have like some sneaky good players for being such a garbage team i mean Shea is awesome Kenrich Williams is really a solid role player. Mascala is like an advanced stats darling this year. He's like, <laughs> uh, sort of like a buy low option that Dort is, the Lakers should yeah. go after. Dort Really Dort is good. And then Jay's yeah. a stud. Giddy looks solid. Giddy's hair is sometimes, is somehow <laughs> perfect under all sorts of duress. Like it looks like, he you know, just dried it when he's in the middle NBA of the game. NBA <laughs> Giddy's hair, just tremendous. That kid's got it all. So, uh, Bulls need to get that win. They got it. Man, I was I was nervous there at the end, but uh, they needed it. And I think we should touch on yeah, still The last two games have been the full Nikola Vucevic experience. You referenced his struggles against the Magic. We are praying that was rock bottom. because, Dear God, it was ugly. That was bad. Vuch finishes the game 13 points, 13 rebounds, three assists. Sounds good, right? Well, he shot four and 19 from the field. Uh, also turned the ball over five times. There was a clip going around that I believe John Hollinger tweeted yep. of Wendell Carter just sort of going through him with providing <laughs> zero resistance. And then yesterday against a Thunder team that you know doesn't have a ton of size inside, but still has some some decent options. Vooch much better. 26 points, 10 of 18, 15 boards, four assists, three blocks. Uh, That was good, Vooch. It it really reminds me of Grossman, right? Good good (laughs) Racks and Bad Racks. When you get Good Racks, the Bears would win. When you get Bad Racks, the Bears would lose. Very similar with Vooch. Jason, you wrote a story on Vooch today at bloggable.com called Nikola Vucevic is the barometer. Uh, What have you been seeing from him over the last couple games?
2: Yeah, so, yeah, that Magic game, which I will admit, I... Wasn't like totally tuned into that game. Uh, I was kind of checking in and out. And once they were getting blown out, I was done, but I was following along on Twitter for the most part. Uh, yeah. I mean, that game was again, I mean, that, that, I thought the Grizzlies game, a couple, what Martin Luther King day was rock bottom when he zero points in the first half, you have Stan Van Gundy calling him out. I think he ended up that game, like two of 13 from the field. Uh, this game probably even worse considering you're playing the magic who (laughs) are we're like eight and 39 coming in. It's his former team. I think there'd be a little motivation there. You're going against the guys who the bulls, they gave up Wendell Carter in the trade to get him. They got going against Franz Wagner, who was the pick that the bulls gave up to get him. Uh, Also you got Mo Wagner, who was a bull for like an hour when it was reported in that part of that trade last year, or the trades the bulls made at the deadline last year. It was initially thought that Mo Wagner was coming to the bulls, but ended up being a three team trade. Uh, with, like, the Daniel Tice, Javante Green, Troy Brown thing. Uh, to go 4 of 19 in that game, in a game where the Bulls just get absolutely punked, where DeRozan puts up 41, and you still lose by 20, the worst team in the league. I mean, that just – and the Magic were stunting on him in the fourth quarter. Like, you had Jalen Suggs, like, talking shit, dunking all over you. Like, that was – that is a rock-bottom type loss for Vooch, for the Bulls in general. Uh, so that was bad. And then last night, again, like, he, he airballs his first shot of the game, which is like, oh, God, here we go again. And then he bounces back really nicely as you mentioned he hit four threes uh just stroking it really nicely uh he had a couple really nice and one finishes and i know Vooch has never been a guy to get to the line we always complain about him going baby mode shout out to kevin farrigan who loves referring to Vooch's baby mode when against like big guys against athletic dudes against tough defenders like he can come sometimes just play soft doesn't go up strong that's why he doesn't get free throws but he had a couple really nice finishes where he recognizes the mismatch he has The size advantage, and he goes up strong, finishes, gets fouled through contact, and makes and finishes and ones. So, we saw a bit of uh, just like how important Vooch can be when he's really good, when he is scoring inside, when he's scoring outside, and then his passing. He had a few really nice blocks. Like, Vooch is one of the more like unique all around big men in the NBA when he's playing really well. When his shooting is going well, uh, it opens up the court, gives Bulls guards their outlets, spreads the defense out, and like it's really great. When he's going really bad, like, and he's bricking his little his little flip shots that he's been bricking way too many this year when he's not even close on his threes. I mean, it just totally nukes the Bulls' offense. And you mentioned, I wrote about this at Blogable today, like, you look at his numbers in wins, and, like, they're pretty good. Like, his shooting isn't quite as good as you would like it to be still. I'll pull up this, these numbers. So the Bulls have played 39 games with Vooch, 25 and 14 with him in the lineup, 25 wins. He's averaging about 18 and 12, 30, 3.5 assists per game, 1.3 blocks, 1.2 steals, shooting 46% overall and almost 39% from three. So while that 46% number isn't great, he's still missing a lot of bunnies in games. They've won the 38.6% from three on five attempts per game. Like that's great. Like that's exactly what they need from him. Uh, And it's no surprise then that like when he's shooting well from three, his scoring efficiency is much better. The bulls have been much better this season uh, in those wins, like their net rating when he's on the court, uh, is like a plus 12.1. And then you go look at the losses and his numbers are just way worse. 14 points, 10 rebounds, the assists are on the same, but then the shooting percentage is 38% overall, 23.6% from three. So a lot of it is just that huge dip in the huge change in three point percentage is a big factor there. And then in his, the net rating stuff, minus 18.2 on court net rating, uh, for Vooch in Bulls losses. So like when Vooch is going bad, when he can't hit threes, uh, when he's missing bunnies, although his shots at the rim in losses, aren't that bad. It's actually decently good. Although his other shots in the paint have been pretty bad, but when Vooch is going bad, uh, the Bulls go bad. because I feel like it also, it also some often translates to the under end of the court. When Vooch is down offensively, the energy is kind of down defensively. And last time we saw it, they, they mentioned it on the broadcast, so like when Vooch has got to go in offensively, It kind of helps his defense just way more into it. So, yeah, that's why I kind of titled it like Vooch is a barometer because often when he's playing really well, that's when the Bulls kind of get to that next level. Zach and like Damar, if you look at their like win-loss splits, like they're they're not that far off. Obviously, the Bulls are better when their best players are better. So Damar has better numbers and wins. Zach has better numbers and wins but they're like they don't go down that much in losses, like damar I think is still shooting like forty seven or forty eight percent in losses, like Zach I think is around the same. There are around like fifty percent in wins so like the 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 difference between vooch like their there's win loss splits and vooches are just huge, so like when vooch goes bad, that's a pretty good indicator that things are going poorly for the bulls um so like they have enough talent to win games when Vooch isn't really maybe playing great. But when in these games when he's going bad, it's usually a sign that the Bulls are gonna lose. So and that is obviously the big concern that a lot of us have. And I tweeted during that match game, like I'm I'm about done with this guy. Like I, I can't believe, like, like what else are you gonna say when he's shooting four of 19 against the worst team in the league against his former team? Like uh, almost done with him. And then he comes back with a really nice performance. And just the, the concern is just like, is he going to cost the bulls come playoff time? And like, when he has these games, like he does against the magic, everyone's talking about like, we got to trade Vooch. Like we got to move on from him. And like, I get it. I get the sentiment because he's just had a lot of these really questionable games. He just hasn't been able to string good performances together. I still don't see how you make a Vooch trade that helps the bulls get better this season, or even is like a, neutral play like just change things up and it would be such a different change i feel like we've i think we talked about this on one of our last pods it's just like if you're trading for vooch for somebody like just like way different uh like i mean that just that's a big change for your team and how you play was vooch when he does have going well like he's so important to how good their offense is they've been in they're still having a lead offense this season when vooch is going well he's such an important part of that when he's hitting threes when he's passing really well so it's just hard to see how a trade-in season would make them better but it's so easy to think about when Vooch is having some of these disastrous games. So you just I think the Bulls just kind of have to hope that he limits the disasters to going down the stretch this season and as you go into the playoffs. Uh, because he's very important. Like it just his skill set is like I said unique. It's important. He's just got to make shots. A lot of it just comes down to making shots because I don't really hate a lot of the shots he's taken. A lot of people have talked about, like, oh, they need to get him in the post more, blah, blah, blah. Like his post-up numbers haven't been that great either. Like, it's like I think before yesterday, it was like 0. 0.75 points per possession or something like that. And it's like 40% in the post. Like it's, a lot of it just comes down to making these shots, those little flip shots. He's missed a lot of got to make those shots. Got to hit the three open three pointers when he takes them. So he's been very frustrating. I know the season I've I, like said, I, I've come close to being done with him, but I think the bulls are gonna have to ride with him, and we'll see, what do you think Ricky?
1: I think first of all, that, the Vooch trade proposals that you've been seeing on Twitter the last three days are just generally hilarious. And I love the people who come up with them because I feel the same way, just as like an emotional fan watching Vooch struggle so much against the magic. It's like, Jesus, like this is not the player they traded for. Right. right? <laughs> if you look at Vooch's numbers that he was putting up when the Bulls swung the trade with Orlando to his numbers today, they're down across the board. His points per game dropped from like,
2: 24 and a half to 16 and a half. So like pretty substantial drop off. I mean, obviously now, expected playing with higher usage guys, but the efficiency the efficiency yeah. is so low.
1: Well, the thing was that in Orlando, a lot of the offense was based around Vucha Strix. And uh, that primarily meant scoring deep in the post, for, or you know, scoring near the basket for the majority of his career. And then his last year or two in Orlando, he developed into a big-time pick-and-pop threat. Well, his numbers are down everywhere, but where they're really down is in that floater area, like that 3- to 10-foot range. Lucha's had, like, uh, I want to say, like, uh, from – 40 here. I got it up here from 46% last year to 42% this year, or really it was 49.5% in Orlando to 42% this year. So that's in the three to 10 foot area. And Big drop. that is the part of the floor where he's just consistently throwing up garbage. And some of these misses are like, looks like he's never played basketball before. It looks like the monster sucked all of the basketball power out of his body. Uh, he's just like hitting the backboard on some of these, like not even coming close. We've seen mul- multiple air balls the last couple games. So for me, I don't think Vooch is going to get traded. I think that Vooch is here for next year. He has a descent. He has a contract that actually gets less expensive, which is an oddity in the NBA. Nice for the bulls. It goes down a couple million for next season. Then he's a free agent. So we know that Karnaschovas has been super aggressive in reshaping the team, but I can't imagine Vooch is going anywhere. I think that, uh, whatever the version of the bulls that exists in ak in everly everly's head primarily involves vucevic's passing his screening The fact that they sort of acquired all these players defensively, they can put him in a position to thrive where, you know, you saw it in the Orlando game, especially without the top point of attack defenders available in Caruso and Lonzo. uh, It was just basically free cheese on Vooch whenever the Orlando guards wanted it and uh, whenever some of their forwards wanted it too. So it's been a tough season for Vooch. I get very frustrated watching him struggle like that. I have a friend who has been calling him Voozer instead of Voo because Carlos <laughs> Boozer was once very disappointing on the Bulls. But uh, you got to roll with them. And the fact of the matter is when Vooch plays well, the Bulls can pretty much beat anyone. So you just hope that he can find a little bit more of a rhythm coming into the playoffs, and he really gets it going against some of the best teams in the league because if Vooch is playing well, I feel very good about the Bulls' chances.
2: Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the thing about the defense is definitely, definitely true just because of Lonzo and uh, I've, I've, that with the defense, the point of attack stuff. It's definitely true. They're, they're going to have to deal with that. We'll see how they do that. Uh Yeah. Just ultimately, like I've seen people like uh, multiple people. on I mentions, talking about like miles Turner. I feel like a lot of people would be very disappointed with him too. Like he's much better defensively and like, I could kind of see that when, since they don't have Lonzo Cruz, like maybe Turner would be a better option defensively to help protect the rim. But like Turner is a huge disappointing appointment off offensive player. Like talk about a guy that sometimes disappears a lot. That's also awesome. That's miles Turner. So like, uh, and he's hurt right now anyways. So like, whatever.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
2: Um, moving on to other trade stuff, quick trade note today. in Jake Fisher's otherwise like bombshell, uh piece about James Harden and the Brooklyn Nets and how James Harden is telling people that he kind of wants to leave Brooklyn or he is at least ex- interested in exploring. I feel like once this kind of stuff leaks for players like this, that means they're fucking out of there. Uh, that's obviously in the off season. He's not going anywhere this season, but there was a little bulls bit in this report talking about Jeremy Grant because that Jeremy Grant's kind of like a backup plan for teams going after Ben Simmons. Uh, Just a little note in here about how the bulls are still going after Jeremy Grant, but they're trying to figure out a way to do it without Patrick Williams. I understand the idea of them trying to do that. And like the bulls aren't going to come out right away and put their best trade package on the table. You're not getting Jeremy Grant without trading Patrick Williams. Right. I mean, there's just no fucking way. Right.
1: You said it, man. No, there's no way. Uh, (laughs) And there's no secret that the Pistons really like Patrick Williams. It's yeah. just like, will that package of the Portland pick, which, you know, there's a chance it never conveys. I think it's protected until 2027. Hey, the Blazers are heating up. They're back in the up. play-in tournament. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah, they're in the play-in tournament. And then you look at the other teams in the West play-in <laughs> tournament. I want to say it's, like, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Wolves, and them. So, like, they could make it. And if they did make it, it would be the best possible selection for the Bulls to be, like, 15 overall probably because uh, it's tough to imagine a team worse than them that makes the playoffs this year. But, yeah, it's, like, how good is that package? Uh, I've – been totally pro jeremy grant throughout this now with caruso and ball hurt you wonder like maybe it just isn't the bulls year. you know yeah. like dude, this isn't the year to cash in your pat chip the the thing that should concern the bulls though is it's like is you, what whatever they can get for that package with the pick jones pat is that still going to be on the table in the off season so, like, Jeremy Grant could get trade if the Bulls don't offer that package, and let's say the Pistons would accept it. This is all hypothetical, of course. And the Pistons send Jeremy Grant elsewhere. Well, now you can't use that package to cash in for Jeremy Grant. So, uh, it's going to be a tough choice for AK. I kind of expect him to make a move just because of how aggressive he's been since last year's trade deadline. But don't forget, his first year here was very patient evaluation, right? And Uh, This is the first season with all these new guys in place. You could definitely make a case that AK may be uh, emboldened to just see how it plays out and, you know, see how good this Bulls team really is before you're cashing in one of your best young chips. With that being said, I mean, given the way IO has been playing and Kobe's picking up his play a little bit, you know, I wouldn't mind them trading Pat for someone who is more on DeMar and Zach's timeline because those two guys have been tremendous all season uh, in terms of getting Jeremy grant without Patrick Williams in the package though, I don't think that's
2: happening. Yeah. I mean, other was the other option is what Kobe and the pick. And I just don't see why the Pistons would really have much interest in that, I guess for grant, they could probably do better elsewhere. Uh, yeah, my, I've definitely softened a bit on like my all in stance where I was pretty gung ho about going all in when they were a few weeks ago when they were what? 27 and 11. Uh, and seemed like they were about to get healthy with Caruso coming back and they were at the top of the East with like a few game lead. And since then we've seen a lot of blowout losses. We've seen several devastating injuries and now they're in third and they're like, they, if they struggle anymore, they could easily drop into out of the, or into the playing picture because the Hornets are like three games back of them and they're the seventh seed right now. So like the East is just so tight right now. So like, Obviously the bulls, if they get, if they somehow do get healthy, like at when Caruso and Lonzo come back, like they could still be in a position where maybe, yeah, they, they could still win it all. But like, it just kind of, it, it definitely does this, these injuries and just what's happened lately. Definitely. I feel like does have an impact on the possibility of going all in. Uh, it adds to the risk now since they have fallen off and they could possibly fall off more with these guys out. Uh, so do you cash in the Patrick Williams thing? On a guy like Jeremy Grant, who also might, who wants a big extension, who might not be thrilled about playing like a, a, being like the number three or number four guy in the offense, uh, definitely have a few more questions about that right now. Uh, so I've been leaning a little more, a little against it. Like if they did it, I would, talk, I would obviously be fine with it. I would talk myself into it. Uh, I'd be excited to see the team actually healthy down the road. Hopefully, I mean, we kept waiting. Like, hey, we just wait till they get healthy; they'll be fine again. And then we just they keep getting injuries, uh. So yeah, definitely a little off, a little less gung ho about the all in stuff now. But I mean, we still got a couple weeks till the trade deadline. We'll see what it changes. We'll see how they they do. They got the Raptors tomorrow at home. They got, I think, at San Antonio on Friday. I think, and then I'm going to the game. On Sunday against Portland, who again I mentioned Portland's been playing better lately, even without Dame. Anthony Simons breaking out, they got CJ back, so that'll be an interesting game. But these are games like home games against the Raptors, Blazers, like those are games you gotta win, especially with Zach back and tomorrow will be back. And then at San Antonio, there'll be DeMar returning to San Antonio. I and mean, the Spurs are feisty, Jujutti Murray is really good. They have some nice players, but like that's a game you got to win. Uh, even on the road. So we'll see how the Bulls do in these games where it's decent teams, but teams that they should beat, and it'll be interesting. And then they'll have – that'll be, I think, the end of the month, and then you'll have a few more games coming up before the deadline, and then AK will have to make that decision if he wants to put Pat on the table or not.
1: Whew. It That's- just really – it really hurts not to have Caruso. Can we just say I know. that? Like, yeah. The last two games have really shown me that. Kevin Faraghan, we, we've we given him a sh- couple shout-outs today. We love Kev. You know, I was the uh, – I was the minister in Kevin's wedding, so you know <laughs> my parents were calling me Reverend Ricky when I did that. But uh, Kevin called Vo- or Kevin called Caruso the Bulls Draymond, and over the last two games, I think you've seen it more and more. So uh, please get back to hundred percent AC. We know that's going to be six to eight weeks just to be reevaluated.
2: He had, so- yeah, he had the surgery yesterday, uh, Monday, I believe. It, it went well. Obviously, you usually don't never hear of. It's rare for a surgery like that not to go well, so you just have to hope that uh, he's on the early end of that timeline. Even if it is the eight weeks, you just hope it's the six to eight weeks, and it doesn't really go any further than that. Because I mean, eight weeks from now is end of March, uh, and that's you got what probably another what couple weeks, and then the playoffs start. We really like to get him a few weeks in there before the playoffs begin. Uh, so you just have to hope him and Lonzo are back uh, with a reasonable amount of time for the playoffs, and they could ramp up and at the Bulls do not have any more major injuries and they don't completely tank down the standings because again, the East is super tight right now, very competitive. Things going to be there. I mean, things are going to be uh just moving back and forth with those standings for the rest of the season. It makes it exciting. It's fun to be a part of, but the vibes are definitely just a little bit down now with these injuries after being just so high a couple weeks ago. So we're just have to hang tight. Hope that they could keep rolling. Because even with these injuries, they still have Zach, they still have Damari. they still have Butch, They still have I/O playing well. Hopefully Kobe plays well. We'll see if they make moves. They still have a lot of talent here to win games. They just gonna have to bring it. And hope again. Hopefully there aren't any more injuries. Got anything else? If you could probably wrap it up here, right? Wrap it up. All right. Again, we got Toronto at home Wednesday, San Antonio on the road, and then portland to wrap up the week on sunday i said i'll be at that game it's my dad's birthday be a nice little birthday gift for my dad so it'll be second game hopefully this, this game will go better than the first one i went to this year against the warriors so hopefully the bulls do well the rest of this week we will see but that'll do it for us here at cash considerations a chicago bulls podcast as always shout out to the blue wire network if you like what we're doing here at cash please go check out all the other great pods nba or otherwise across the blue wire network for us here at cash please rate and review us give us those five star ratings uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Wherever, you're, wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and review us. Let us know how we're doing. And you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Hit us up, please. And then also, shout out, as always, shout out to Fuzzgun, our New intro of the Season. Check out a sound pod. So for me and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We will talk to you guys next time.
0: we balls to <laughs>